Hi, welcome to Nectar Conversations with uh, your host, Pascal Tremblay. I'm the co-founder of Nectar. We're a psychedelic wellness support ecosystem. And today I'm really thrilled to be joined by Victoria Wushner. She's the head retreat leader direct, uh, at Tendeva Retreats and a director of education at Calavalia Collective. And she's the co-founder at Five, the world's first 5MEO DMT education platform. Hi, Victoria. Hey, Pascal. Thank you so much for having me here. Likewise. I first met Victoria earlier this year and um, really connected with her energy and her ambition and her drive to like help support people on their journeys and uh, really appreciate her humble, um, dedicated, humble service to the space and what she's creating um, in her life is beautiful and in deep service to the psychedelic community. So I'm really happy to have her today and sharing around um, the God molecule, the 5-MeO-DMT uh, medicine, which, uh, you know, has been very popular these days and has been, um, you know, a huge source of, of healing for a lot of people. Um, do you want to tell people a little bit more about what you're up to in the world, Victoria, and, uh, and, uh, and what, a little bit about your background? Absolutely. Yeah. So a little bit about what I'm up to, just like you kind of mentioned, I am co-founder and president at FIVE, which stands for 5-MeO-DMT Information and Vital Education. And, you know, this is really a centralized resource hub for people coming to work with this medicine. And the whole aim behind it is harm reduction. This is, this is my, my favorite thing to speak about. I love this medicine so much, but unfortunately, there's been a lot of chaos happening in the community and a lot of um, harm that doesn't need to be happening. So, yeah, that's something that I'm up to is really just putting together a space for people who are interested in coming to work with this molecule, whether it be someone who's never sat with this medicine and is, you know, a first time seeker, somebody who's an avid psychonaut who's worked with this medicine many times, and even facilitators who are either stepping into the role of facilitation or facilitators who are looking to sharpen their tool sets. And so in this kind of platform, we've got over 30 pages from FAQs to documentaries, information, integration specialists, vetted retreats and facilitators. We've even got training programs. So yeah, I really encourage anybody who's really interested in learning more about this molecule to head there. And uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll include the links in the show notes as well. Um, I also live here. I'm in Mexico yeah. right now at Retreat Center Tandava Retreats, where we focus on the safe and effective use of 5-MeO-DMT in the multi-day retreat setting. And, you know, our, our aim here is really to promote long-lasting change in people, allowing people to really come to this work being held and supported in the way they need as they step into the world's biggest experience that one can have. And I'm also an integration mm -hmm. specialist. Um, I focus specifically on 5-MeO-DMT, um, and I work with Cambo and also uh, obviously 5-MeO-DMT. And uh, a little bit mm -hmm. about my background, um, you know, I, I really, I've been in this space for over a decade, working with different medicines, serving different medicines, um, such as Cambo, and just, uh, you know, doing a deep dive. And it wasn't until finding 5-MeO-DMT where I really knew that I found the medicine that I wanted to serve. And, you know, the reason being is I feel there's a, a big disconnect right now in humanity of, you know, feeling lost, feeling confused, not really knowing who we are, what the whole points of being here is and we all have this same question inside of us it's like this burning question and where do we find the answer the only way the only place to find the answer is within ourselves and because we've mm -hmm. had that disconnect of remembering who and what we are 
nobody nobody knows what to do. And so, you know, 5-MeO DMT has come in at this perfect time in humanity to help us remember who and what we are. Uh, because in that peak experience, it does allow our, our default mode network to go down, the ego to go down, and for us to remember truly, wholly what we are. And uh, yeah, that's, that's really where we find the healing. And, you know, in my first experience with this medicine, you know, it, it really did bring me to that place. And I'm somebody who has really battled with depression since a young age and, you know, suppressed a lot of trauma, a lot of deep seated things. Um, and in that experience, my first experience, I got to have a true homecoming to remembering my totality, to remembering unconditional love and what that really was at its core, that I did deserve that. And not only did I deserve it, but I was it. And so there was mm -hmm. this deep desire from that experience to, journey back into this regular everyday life and allow other people to have that experience as well. So that's really, it's really where my passion comes from with this work. It's uh, walking people back home to themselves. Beautiful. And I, I found so much um, connection and, and um, deep service in the psychedelic space between people that were joined by the psychedelic experience that can totally change their lives over overnight sometimes. Um, and with five, especially like it's such a powerful uh, molecule um, and it can lead to like deep insights and felt experiences that really transform um, the way that we see the, the world in, in terms of connection, especially like you mentioned, like um, this connection from nature, this connection from ourselves, this connection from spirit as well. Um, and so because of the power of five and, and, and the, the powerful transformation that can happen, how can people know that uh, if this is the medicine for them, like how can people navigate? There's so many medicines out there and five has become way more popular the last few years. Like how can people determine if five is a good medicine for them? Yeah, you know, the very first kind of point here I always like to tell people is our heart is our compass. The heart knows all. And if we really tune into our heart space and we're feeling that deep call from within there, that's a really good indicator. Okay, maybe this is something that I'm meant to be working with mm -hmm. at this time in my life. And then really sitting with it and asking, you know, okay, if this is something I'm being called to, what are my intentions around it? Really getting familiar with those intentions, getting to know them inside and out. And then from there, you know, if we're if we're really convinced, all right, this is a medicine that I want to work with. Am I at a space in my life where this is a good moment for me to work with this medicine? Because even though maybe we are feeling called to it and it is a medicine we're going to work with, it might not be the right time. Um, this medicine because it offers such profound perspective shifts in our lives, if we're not already coming from a stable environment, it can destabilize us. And we do see this quite often. Um, you know, unfortunately, there are things that happen in our life sometimes that, you know, we feel we need to heal from. Say, example, um, we're going through a divorce, a family member has died, we've lost our job, and everything seems to be crumbling away beneath us. And so there's a part of ourselves that say, this is the perfect time to, to go and do the world's most powerful medicine. And it might be, but it also might not. Mm -hmm. be. It might be a medicine that completely you know, destabilizes you when you enter into your environment, which is already kind of crumbling beneath you. So you know, that is a that is mm -hmm. a big question. Am I in a space that when I return from this experience, having completely different perspective shifts and meaning systems, am I going to be able to land in a solid and firm way? And um, yeah, you know, that, then there's also the kind of 
obvious things of, you know, are you on any contraindicating medications? Are you physically well? Are you emotionally well? Um, where, where's your head at? All those kinds of things. So those are kind of a, a few main mm-hmm. things to, to brush over before stepping into this medicine. And of course, doing your research, research, research. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Research is important. Um, and what are things that five is typically good for? And what are things that five might not be typically good for in terms of intentions or in terms of, um, you know, backgrounds or, or um, you know, the way people are entering this experience? Like, what are things that it's usually used for and what are things that it might not be good for um and probably depends on every person but in general what do you think yeah this is a very unique question to each person i would say what it's not good for is people who are looking for a magic pill that they've heard you know this is the world's most powerful medicine um it's going to heal me i'm going to be enlightened afterwards and you know for those who have sat with this medicine we know this is not true instead it offers us a different lens and perspective to engage with our our patterning and our stories and to heal those things within ourselves but it doesn't do it for us it's a tool and so i would say those are kind of you know what it what it's not good for um what it is good for it's so good for so many different things and um, this is a very cathartic medicine so as human beings, we have this tendency to store our trauma and pain inside of us in different ways. And, you know, it might be somatically stored in our, our bellies or our chests. You know, some of us might have a hard time expressing and get numb. Um, it, there's just so many ways that we hold on to things. And this medicine has this beautiful intelligence, especially when we're working with intention of, you know, where we'd like the medicine to go of releasing these stored emotions and stuck energy within us. And that's, you know, really why we see so many different expressions with this medicine. One person can sit with it and be what we call a complete Buddha sitter where they're not really moving around at all. Maybe they have a few little smiles here and there, or you might have somebody who's, dancing around like a ballerina, someone who's thrashing and fighting, someone who's screaming at the top of their lungs. And it's just because we all store all store our trauma in different ways. So, you know, I would say like my two favorite ways to kind of work with this medicine is one working into specific trauma that we've been holding on to and working with low to medium doses in that way and getting really surgical with it. And then the other working with large doses for those who are um, really wanting to step into spiritual exploration of like we, what we were saying, remembering who and what they are so that we can feel more connected to ourselves, to our communities, friends, families, nature, universe in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you touched on an interesting topic. I was asking a friend of mine yesterday, um, you know, what would you like to ask Victoria? And he's a facilitator. And his question was, <laughs> Um, the five experience is so varied from a low dose to a high dose. And it varies so much in terms of like what happens with each one. So how do you, like you just touched on it a little bit, like higher dose, more spiritual exploration, lower dose, like maybe a bit more like a trauma release or, or more embodied feeling of, of a certain intention. Like how do you navigate that mm-hmm. uh, element of, of dosage with five? Yeah. So, you know, something that I like to say with the smaller doses versus the larger doses when we take the large dose, if we allow ourselves to surrender to that peak experience, there is no I or individual identity left. We are infinite everything. There is no Victoria present or Pascal present. But in those 
low to medium doses, we are tuned in and tapped into that divine frequency. But we are all we're still tuned in and tapped into ourselves as an I or an individual. So in that way, when we're in those lower doses, it's much easier for us to work into specific intentions and really get in there. And so yeah, there's, and you know, it, it really is very dependent too on people's abilities to surrender with this medicine. That's why, you know, preparation is such an important key here because if someone hasn't had thorough preparation, sometimes it doesn't matter how high the dose is, they're not going to surrender because their 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 brains, their minds, their egos are going to perceive this experience as they are physically dying and they need to fight the experience tooth and nail. So they're not actually allowing themselves to transcend the experience into that infinite oneness. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, like the first time I did five, like I had read online before going to the experience that you need to be ready to die before you interface with it. And that was a real journey for me to be like, you know, am I willing as a person, as me, Pascal, like, am I ready or willing to let go of myself? And that was a process just before entering the medicine that it was like quite healing. Um, and a side story, yeah. I, I heard an anecdote of a friend's friend who is a very stubborn person and he physically and mentally and emotionally tried to like resist the medicine and not surrender at mm. all and wow. uh, spoiler alert it it didn't work <laughs> it didn't work uh be yeah. because it's such a powerful uh medicine um yeah what kind of challenges can arise from from the medicine um you talked about kind of the letting go and surrendering um mm -hmm. what what can happen if someone's not preparing properly yeah, so exactly kind of what we just talked about. If someone hasn't had thorough preparation, the mind is going to explain to the person like, hey, you're dying. If you let go anymore, you're not going to come back into this experience. So they start to fight and kick and scream and the whole nine. Um, and, you know, this is this is, can be really scary for people. This can actually cause PTSD because if you think you're dying, that is the most traumatic experience a human can have. And you're doing everything you can to you know, not die. And so it, you know, this is where it's really important to feel safe in your surroundings. But I also like to, I'd like to mention here that the challenging experience is something that we welcome with open arms. Um, I think the challenging experience is something that people often run away from. It sounds, you know, scary to them. Um, because obviously there's some resistance coming up, but if we're in a challenging experience with this medicine, it is giving us a very clear understanding of what we're holding on to, of what we're afraid to let go of, of what parts of ourselves we don't want to release over. And it's really where the ego is hanging on to. So, you know, I can say some of my more challenging experiences that I've ever had have been some of the most profound experiences showing me where I have work in real time to do here in the physical. Mm-hmm. And you talked about spiritual exploration for higher doses. Like, what does that mean in terms of the five experience? Like, I've I've seen and, and heard experiences of complete ego dissolution and connecting with the cosmos and like this really big, kind of you know universal ideas um, uh, of the the soul and the the universe itself. Like, where what what are some experiences that you've had with like larger doses of five that um, you'd like to share? 
<laughs> this is a I really see a smile funny coming question. up, like a big smile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is an interesting question because um, 5-MeO-DMT, as you know, is so unlike any other medicine. I would say 5-MeO-DMT is the only true entheogen. And, you know, because the reason for this is when we look at different medicines, whether it be ayahuasca or peyote or mushrooms, you name it, we are going on multi-hour visionary experiences where there's a lot of content to be had. Whereas with 5-MeO-DMT, it's less content-based. We're not having a visionary experience. Instead, we're having what I call gnosis, knowledge through experience. And, you know, that well, I'm sure we'll get into integration later. That's um, why it can be difficult for people to integrate this experience. But it's very, very, very rare and seldom that the experience is visionary, that we see things. Of course, there's, you know, moments where we relive, um, especially in the lower doses, we might relive um, trauma, trauma that happened within our lives. Um, but in those higher doses, it's less of something that we're seeing and something more of what we're feeling within our being, something that we're knowing, something that we are inf infinitely expanding into and dancing with in this totality that's cosmos. Uh, and it's, yeah, something that's extremely difficult to, to really put our, our words in, you know, um, and, you know, it's really funny with this medicine. The experience every time is so different, yet so the same. It's a very familiar place, but it's always kind of giving us this uh, different, unique experience with it. And something that I found really interesting working um, so many retreats with this medicine and getting to witness people's processes, I've noticed that when someone works with the medicine, generally their next medicine experience and their next medicine experience after that, and you know, this is similar for myself, it's almost like we're picking up exactly where we left off. Like it's, it's not linear at all, at all, but it also is. We had this experience, we had this release, we integrated it into our being within the physical, and then we journey back in with the medicine and we're just picking up and continuing our healing process wherever it needs to be. That's yeah, beautiful. It reminds me of my first uh, five AM experience where it was a lower dose, and um, I did three of them. And it was a lower dose, but it was so I was kind of in between the spiritual realm and the human realm, and I connected with the sense mm -hmm. of joy um, in my body that I had never felt ever before, mm. um, and it rewired my capacity and my acceptance of joy uh, and my ability to really feel it fully, deeply into my body. Um, and I felt like 20 pounds was lifted off my shoulders after the ceremony. Um, and ever since then, that that piece of joy has like been embedded in my DNA. It's like five almost cleared out all the windows of joy and like opened up the, the windows and be like, this is it. And ever since then, <laughs> I, I feel joyful. It's like part of my, my being. And so uh, from that experience, oh, because it was so that. integrative at a lower dose, um, I've done way less medicine since then, a lot less, because I feel like it kind of opened up like a big door for me because of the, the integrative uh, feeling. So yeah, it is a very powerful medicine, but it can also be integrative in the moment because it gives you that, you said, like, I love that word, gnosis of, of uh, mm -hmm. something like ayahuasca, for example, can't, it's, it's harder to integrate because you get kind of whacked around a little bit for 12 hours sometimes and it's not as um, in the moment integrative. So I, I love that part of it mm -hmm. that um, 
allows you to have that felt experience in, in a short amount of time. And do you think that's why it's been um, popular is because it kind of feels like, like a short investment time or it, maybe it's not a short investment time. There's a lot that goes into it. You know, I, I feel probably for some people, that's something that calls them to working with the medicine that it's not going to be like a 12 hour experience where we're, you know, vomiting the entire time and going through torture. But, you know, the the reason that I feel that this medicine has become so popular is A, for its ability to help us remember who we are and really tune back into our connection as divine beings with ourselves and our surroundings. And then secondly, for its profound ability for catharsis. I've seen time and time and time again when people go in with specific intentions of working working through trauma that's where we go, you know, and it's, it's just so profound. I can explain my last journey that I had, uh, I think like about a month ago. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really at this point in my life where I'm, I'm fully stepping into my power. And my intention was, please allow me to release anything that is in the way of me stepping into my power. And, you know, it took me to why I lost my virginity. I was raped when I was 13 and I had never I had never processed it. I had never grieved it. I had never gotten angry about it. And I had never actually been in any of my medicine journeys with any other medicines. I had never been back to that space before. And it's that's exactly where it took me. I remember laying on the, laying on, we call it the lily pad or the launch pad. And I remember laying on the pad and my hands gripping the mattress beneath me because when I was, when I was 13, when it happened, it was on this, this um, dirty mattress in the middle of an apartment. And I completely relived the experience grabbing onto the mattress. And I went into this deeply profound sacred rage that was just emanating from me, screaming for, for 20 or 30 minutes. And it felt so good to finally let go of all of this pain that I had been holding on to, all of this pain that had been preventing me from stepping into my power because that's the first time my power was truly taken from me. And so when we're talking about why this medicine is so popular, I have seen so many stories, stories like this, and even more, more intense than that experience for myself, where people are finally allowed to let go of these traumas that we've been holding on to and step into a a new path for ourselves, a path where we feel lighter, we feel more joyous, we feel more powerful, where we feel that we are truly the authors of our own lives rather than, you know, the world happening to us. Now it's happening for us. So yeah, this is a, this is a truly profound medicine. I, I like to relate psychedelics to like the earth's immune defense system, like almost like the emergence of psychedelics in the mainstream after decades of oppression is kind of a response to the societal uh, pain and, and trauma that we've been feeling and just kind of um, like a defense system against those, the systems that don't work for us anymore. And you talk about that with, with five, the kind of like a, a response as well to like what we need. And so I love that, uh, that bridge that you're making into actually like taking these experiences and, and actualizing it in tangible action in the real world, because that's really where, you know, the medicine uh, gives us our greatest gifts is when we're actually able to like heal ourselves so that we can like help others. And I found that so beautiful and so inspirational. Um, and um, mm -hmm. for you as a, a ret retreat facilitator, um, what can you share around 
transformation you've seen from people like that step into this um, experience, like being something one day and just like over a week or two, or maybe it's like a year or two, like uh, the transformation that you've seen from this, uh, from this medicine? Mm, yeah, you know, there's really no words for this. I've seen tremendous transformation and it's been very clear from the start and it continues to be clear that those who are putting in the work truly before and after are the ones who are getting the most out of the experience. You know, there's some people who show up to this work having you know, worked with a therapist for the last year, getting ready for this experience and uncovering all the stuff that they've been hanging on to and know exactly what they're working on when they get here. And they have very clear kind of roadmaps and intentions and are just full power ready for this and, you know, doing the work. And, you know, sometimes it gets challenging in the medicine experience and something Something that we um, share with people, we'll work up. We'll work up to three times with someone in their individual session. Um, we have a, a hand gesture that allows people to know that they can go deeper into the experience if they'd like. And you know, sometimes it can get challenging, especially if this, these different traumas are coming up, different stuck energy. And you know, these people who are just really ready to do the work go back in again for another pipe to face those shadows, face those demons, and really heal from it. And you know, then taking the bull by the horns in their integration process and just going for it. And so, you know, we've seen people who have had treatment resistant depression for 35 years. I, I would say one of our more profound experiences was yeah, this man who had um, treatment resistant depression for 35 years had been with a therapist for 10 years. He did electroshock uh, treatment when he was uh, in his 30s because he's quite old. He's an older gentleman now. Um, and he had really done everything, he read all the books, worked with all the people and nothing was working. And because he was so ready coming into this work, he's probably the happiest person that I know now. And it's, it's almost like this, um, this bundle of joy every time you see or talk to him. So, you know, those are the reasons that I like to do this work. That's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned like the, the, the yeah, and it's beautiful work. Uh, can't think of a better way to spend our life energy than helping people navigate these journeys and, and uh, you know, changing the world in a very small way every day. It's beautiful. Um, you mentioned like the preparation process, like an integration being like the real key to the whole transformational um, intention. Uh, can you tell us more about like, preparing for five and you mentioned like a year and you know preparation is often a, a journey of uh you know nourishing their resources around us and bringing them towards us and like really acknowledging them and and tapping into them what are kind of ways to prepare for such an experience mm -hmm. yeah so preparation and integration as you know is the main key to these experiences. Yes, the journey is the profound thing, but if we really want to get lasting change, then we need to engage in the preparation and integration process. And, you know, for us, we work with people um, for two weeks before we have two, two to three Zoom calls with somebody really getting into their whys. Why are you coming to do this? What are your intentions? What are your fears? What is your relationship with death and spirituality? You know, what would you like to see in your life if you had all these intentions realized? There's really a, a lot of content that we go into this. And so that, you know, when people are, are ready to step up to the plate, they really have an idea of what they're doing. They're taking this process um, seriously and responsibly. And I, you know, it's not like 
you know, you hear that there's a, a five MEO experience that you can journey to tomorrow. You're like, oh, cool. I'm going to go hop in. I don't know what my intention is, but I just want to have this peak experience. Well, what you put in is what you get out truly. And if we're, we're really being responsible about this preparation process, we know where we want to go. We're going to get the most that we can out of our experience. And like I mentioned earlier, preparation is synonymous in this experience with how much we're able to surrender to the experience because preparation is what allows our minds and bodies to feel safe enough to fully let go when it's time to take that pipe, that we know we're in a safe surrounding, that we know that we're with safe facilitators, that we know and have been spoken to about every single thing that can happen and how that's going to be held when it does happen. There's no questions left. So we feel completely safe. And so the deeper that we allow ourselves to surrender to the experience, the more that we actually get out of the experience. And then in our integration process, this is what ties everything together into a, a beautiful package, essentially. And, you know, I really like to say the integration process is as long as we want it to be. The, as much as we um, as much as we engage with integration is as much as we're going to get out of, get out of it. I've seen people who have taken days to integrate this experience, and these are people who are not putting a lot of energy into it, and they end up probably not getting the most out of it um, because they're not taking the integration seriously. And I've seen people integrating for multi years with just one journey from this medicine, and you know it, it really is what we're putting in is what we're getting out. And so something that we include, um, you know, I, I feel truly integration is a non-negotiable with this medicine. So we do include uh, a month of integration post the experience with people. We have a really beautiful list of um, integration specialists who are very familiar with the five experience. Some of them are facilitators. All of them have worked with the medicine multiple times, uh, as we do feel. If you're going to help someone integrate from this experience, you must understand and know what the five experiences about and the different kind of phases that people can enter into with integration. Uh, there's so many kind of different phases as well with this medicine. So yeah, integration is what allows this experience to not just be a peak experience that fades away like a dream and something that actually allows us to have long lasting, powerful change in our lives. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And for people that are interested in, in, in experiencing this medicine, um, there's a lot of facilitators out there. There's, there's people with various experience. There's people with various kind of integrity. There's people that maybe source medicine in different ways. Um, what are things to look for, like when you're kind of preparing for the intention of this journey to look for in a, in a retreat or a facilitator? What are things like green flags, red flags, um, you know, for people out there that, that don't quite know like what to look for and whatnot? Because it's a bit of a wild west out there. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd like to first kind of preface this question by um, sharing if anybody wants to learn more about this question than we're speaking about, just head to the five websites. There's a lot on this topic. Um, this is a really important question. You know, I think one of the biggest issues that we're facing with facilitation is, unfortunately, the trainings for this medicine are more commonly anywhere from two or three days to two or three weeks. And we're talking about the world's mm -hmm. most powerful medicine here. We're talking about people getting into a lot of the time, the biggest trauma that they've ever had coming up. And, you know, if we are not super familiar with the medicine um, and we're stepping into a role of facilitation, we're not coming with the tools necessary to help people through their experiences. So, you know, a main kind of thing to ask somebody is what was your training with this medicine and what is your relationship to it? 
there are um, unfortunately facilitators who are facilitating who've never sat with the medicine itself. Um, you definitely want somebody who intimately has sat with this medicine multiple times um, and mentorship, mentorship and community. So as there's not really a, um, a lineage or tradition with this medicine, it's a relatively new medicine. What we want to look for is a facilitator who is always a student. They're always willing to learn. They are a part of a community where there are people that have been serving longer than them, and they always have these community members to learn from, to ask questions from. Um, I would say the majority of facilitators out there do not have this. If we're taking a, a you know a two or three week course or multi-day course um, training with this medicine, and we have no community around us to support us, then it's, that is where the wild, wild west comes from. We have a situation where a participant comes who, you know, maybe, maybe what they're coming with is out of our skill set, but because we don't, we don't have a community to reach out to, we don't know what to do. And sometimes people will just step into working with that person anyway. And then that's where people have psychological issues coming up um, because or, or even physical issues because they were on contraindicating medications. Um, deaths can occur. So that's something that we're, we're looking for as well. Um, we want somebody as well in a facilitator who wants to ask a lot of questions. They want to, they're not just here for a paycheck. And when somebody's like, Hey, I want to work with this medicine. Cool. Let's sign you up. Instead asking, why are you coming to work with this medicine? Are you in a place in your life where you're ready to work with this medicine? Are you on any contraindicating medications? What are you like physically in your body? Are you safe? What's your, what's your heart doing? Um, what's their screening process like? So when we are saying yes to working with this medicine, um, somebody should get a very thorough screening process. And of course, it's going over the main, the main things, um, you know, physical, emotional, kind of spiritual, but also getting deep into what that person's trauma is so that the facilitator has a really good understanding of everything that that participant is bringing to the table. Uh, a facilitator should also be including preparation and integration in the container. If they're not taking a um, serious approach with preparation and integration, it's very clear that they uh, don't have the participant's long-lasting change within their mind. That sounds like more of a paycheck because the whole idea here is that the person coming to do this work is getting the absolute most out of the experience. So if there's no preparation or integration, well, that goes out the window. And so if they themselves are not a trained integration specialist, they should be pairing the, uh, they should be pairing the participant up with an integration specialist who already does um, understand the 5-MEO experience. And so those are kind of main things in a facilitator to look for. Of course, there's you know, other things as well. Um, we want to look for allegations of malpractice. So there's been reports of people under on medicine where, you know, the facilitator is on top of the woman taking her clothes off. Um, we don't want, we don't want that, um, you know, eye gazing, imprinting. So um, one of the unfortunate things in this space is that as we are working with the medicine of the ego, it can take our ego either way, especially if you're in a role of facilitation. It can take our ego to a place if we're integrating it um, to be able to live and interact with other humans in, uh, in oneness and really being present with people in a really beautiful way. But if we as a facilitator are consistently doing medicine over and over and over, saying more, give me more, give me more, not integrating it, what it actually can do is inflate the ego and we can step into what's called uh, ego superiority and even fall into Messiah complex. Um, and this is where 
you know, the facilitator really feels that they are the leaders of everyone. And so sometimes you might see people um, all dressing the same, um, like, like groups, like almost, almost like cults. Um, and like, yeah, there, there's just, there's a lot of, a lot of interesting stuff that's going on behind the scenes. So I would say a really important facet that I'm trying to get to is that you want to find a facilitator that is participant focused. This experience is all about the participants, a hundred percent. And if there's any kind of red flags coming around the, um, you know, facilitator making it about themselves, then it's probably something that we don't want to engage in. Yeah, thank you. And we'll put the link to five in the, the show notes so people can refer to, yeah, a long list of resources that are available there for vetting retreats and facilitators. Um, and thank you so much for putting that together. It's very useful for people out there. Um, and one thing I'd like to touch uh, a little bit more on preparation is um, the sourcing of the medicine. Of course, it's a natural mm-hmm. um, source from the Bufo toad, and there's a more synthetic one that's uh, um, available. Can you talk a little bit more about that? And like, you know, what are the differences between both and, and you know, what to look for in engaging with the, the sourcing of the medicine? Absolutely. Yeah. So this is a, a really hot question <laughs> for sure. Um, you know, 5-MeO-DMT comes in different forms. So oftentimes if people are coming to work um, with 5-MeO-DMT, it is either with the Bufo toad secretion uh, or it comes from, you know, synthetically made in a laboratory. And why would we choose one over the other? You know, first I would like to say from my own personal experience, both of these experiences with both of these molecules are the exact same experience. And I personally did not want to believe that. I had come from working specifically with Bufo secretion and I had many facilitators saying, why don't you make the switch over to synthetic? And I'm like, eh, synthetic, like that just sounds, eh, I don't, I don't think I want to. And so they're like, just give it a shot. So I started to work with synthetic or, you know, also known as the pure molecule or Jaguar. And I realized the exact same thing. All these other facilitators realized it's the same experience. It really is. And so, you know, of, of course, that's a, a main component here is understanding it's the same experience. But also, there's three kind of things to touch on. One is toad conservation. So as this popularity is really rising, the toad population is being put out. Um, they're suffering a lot. And, you know, the reason they're suffering is people are going into the Sonoran Desert and they're over-milking. When we're over-milking, we are leaving the toads defenseless because that's their defense system. Um, you know, they're being taken taken out of their homes into captivity. Captivity is not good. It's not good for the toads. Um, sometimes they're, be ta- they're being taken out of their homes just a, a short distance away to be milked, but they're not being taken back to their location where they live. And they only go a very short distance from their home in their entire life. So they'll be spending their entire lives trying to get back to their homes and oftentimes being ran over, um, you know, constantly jumping into fences and physically harming themselves. And we're also releasing a, a fungus into their habitat, which is harming them called, uh, called chytrid fungus. And this is from us not wearing gloves when we're milking them. And so there's just a few things that the toads are experiencing. And we just, you know, personally, I don't want to have anything to do with harming the toads, especially if this experience is the same. Uh, the second thing here is dosage specificity. So you know, with the toad secretion, anywhere from 10 to 30% of the secretion is 5-MeO-DMT. Well, that means that all the other additional tryptamines and alkaloids, you know, one of them, for example, being cardiotoxic, which is another reason why we don't work with it. If somebody has an underlying heart condition, 
and you know we don't want to put someone into cardiac arrest but that that 10 to 10 to 30 percent that's a huge margin of error that means we actually have no idea how much we're giving somebody when we're giving them the bupotoid secretion even if we have the most accurate scale we do not know and so that could actually push someone overboard into having what is known as a whiteout and if someone has a whiteout if you give someone enough medicine that actually can also push them into very extreme reactivations where it's happening anywhere from you know, I've heard anywhere from multiple weeks to even multiple months of reactivation. And some people where they haven't, they've actually had to quit their jobs because they can't sleep anymore. They think they're going crazy and it's a, a whole entire process. So yeah, there's a, there's many reasons why switching to the pure molecule is something that might be something to think about. Yeah. So the, for the people out there, don't do the frog bufo, just go synthetic. That's the the main lesson here. <laughs> um, in terms of, uh, you mentioned like what you put into prep and integration is what you'll get out of it. Um, for someone who like uh, enters these really powerful five experiences, what is it like for aftercare, like the day or two after the, the ceremony? Um, what are things that you recommend for people? Mm-hmm. You know, I always like to recommend people that they are in a very conducive environment for nurturing themselves. Um, you know, I like to recommend a minimum of three to seven days of just being in your own space, nature, um, being mindful of, you know, of course, what we're, we're taking in any kind of diet, not just food, but TV, news, uh, media, music, books, people, people, events, um, to-do lists. So for example, I call this the washover. So um, what I mean by the washover is if someone has this profound experience and they just go straight back into their everyday regular lives, they're back at their desk job, the phone's ringing, their boss is nagging them, you know, they're maybe they're in an environment at home that's toxic, all these kinds of things, they're not giving themselves the time and space to truly emerge from this experience because it really is a death and rebirth process. And in that rebirth process, there's so much coming up to to see and to be witness to, to show us where we have work to lean into and really showing us the different stories and patternings that are present within us. And from seeing those with a heightened awareness, making a decision of where we'd like to go. And we don't have that opportunity when we step right back into our everyday regular lives. It's like a washover. We just had this experience and everything kind of got washed away. The experience fades away. And it was, you know, kind of not for nothing, but it's we definitely don't get out of it what we wanted to if we would have made that what I call the nest for ourselves. And yeah, you know, I, I really like to say boundaries are so important here. And sometimes it can be difficult to tell our family members, hey, like, I need a week to myself. It has nothing to do with you, but it has to do with my own healing process. And I just need to be in my own space. So really learning how to, in those moments, make very clear boundaries. And I like to say that also the nest, this nesting or landing period is something that should be prepared before you even do the medicine. It's your preparation for the integration process because sometimes it can be something so easy to just be like, ah, like I don't really need to. That experience was so blissful and so amazing. It changed me in so many ways. So I'm just, I don't need to integrate. And then suddenly that's where we step into um, to problems. Absolutely. Um, and the 
you know, our, our motto at Nakara is every day is a ceremony because every day can be grounds for integration. Um, but after the ceremony itself, like you're right, the wa- I love that washover term is like so important to um, really make the time and, and calling in the resources and the support systems that can help you after the, the journey. What are things that you recommend for, for people typically that go to attend ever retreat in terms of like offering them support after their ceremony? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like I said, minimum of three to seven days of, you know, nothing to do, being mindful of that diet. We have four weeks, uh, a month of integration post with the integration specialist. So making every single one of those meetings and really being serious about this. And then also on top of that, on top of your integration, um, your integration sessions with your integration specialist, making time and space with yourself every day making a commitment plan and committing to your growth. So being really realistic each day of where and when you have time around your schedule. So for some people, it might be taking five days out of seven days where at three o'clock, I know I have 30 minutes to step into a practice of, you know, meditation and breath work and really tune into myself and that connection. Um, for some people it might be two days, whatever, but you're making a, a very firm commitment and you're staying with that commitment to really keep that channel wide open of where you are able to receive these, these downloads of, you know, where your path is unfolding and where the healing needs to take place. Mm-hmm. And how does, how does the integration for five differ from other medicines? Is there any differences? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So one, the washover, absolutely, because it can be so easy for us to say that that was such a beautiful experience. I don't need to integrate it. And then suddenly, because we didn't integrate, it's like, well, that was a good experience. But like, what did I actually get out of it? Because we didn't put the integration in. Um, One is something that we call the falling away experience. So this is something where you know, this is such a high vibrational experience. I can't think of another experience that is more profound than this. And even though we're off of the mat and we're not in the experience anymore, it's still with us. That vibration is shifting us at a cellular level. So oftentimes we can journey back into our lives and everything, it might be everything. It might be something very small, like maybe just one thing, but it could be everything doesn't fit us anymore. Oh my gosh, these clothes, like how could I, why was I wearing these clothes? Why am I driving this car? Wow, these friends don't fit me anymore. I don't want to do my job anymore. Um, and this can actually, this is a, um, a fear a lot of people have stepping into this medicine. It's like, what if, I, what if I'm not the same person when I come back? And, you know, if we are shifting and evolving and changing after this experience, it's for the better. It's something, it's almost like a divine reorganization of our life that's making room for a... Uh, a happier, more in tune version of ourselves. So while it might seem a little bit scary, it's also very liberating. Uh, Another challenge that people have with this experience is, you know, this is the grand mystical experience. There's no bigger experience than this. And oftentimes when we come back home into our everyday regular lives, usually the people around us have not had this experience and our loved ones, family, friends, community, coworkers, might not have the same idea ideas around this experience and it can be kind of um you know we've we've seen people resist it where we've just had such a profound experience we're glowing and we want to we want to share this 
beautiful experience with others and it's like a it can be a mirror to others of them not doing their own work and so sometimes we can actually have people really close to us pushing us away and so it is really important to let people know that we have to be gentle with the people around us. It can be something that we, we can step into being evangelical with this medicine. Everybody needs to do this medicine. It's going to change and shift the world. And while it might be true that it will change and shift the world, not everybody is ready at this moment in their life to step in with this medicine. And that's okay. It's completely okay. So just being gentle with the people around us and understanding of all the other journeys that people are having simultaneously around our own journeys. Uh, meaninglessness. Meaninglessness is something that people can also experience of, you know, having this grand mystical experience and realizing, wow, everything means so much, but it means nothing at all. And so we can kind of feel like, what's the point? What's the point of having this experience? And uh, it can be a really interesting place to be. Like We you know, we can step into this work and be very present and aware of everything going around us, going on around us, but we still have to engage in this experience. We are still here having a human experience for a reason. Um, and so this is something important to talk to people about. And there, there really, there really is endless kind of phases with this, the integration with this medicine that is different um, from other medicines, but those are kind of a, a few of them. Thank you. Um, and how does someone know that they haven't fully integrated or integrating properly? What are signs to look for? <sighs> that they're having, a, they're struggling. If somebody is struggling, um, I can speak to, to one person where they stepped into their integrative practices for a week post. They were feeling great. They were feeling very connected. Um, and then suddenly life kind of came around and they completely fell out of their integrative practices. They stopped meeting with their integration specialist because they thought everything's good. And then, you know, like we say, this is not a magic pill. This medicine is going to give us the heightened, uh, heightened awareness to see our own patterning. So when we do dip down into our patterns, say someone cuts us off in traffic or something and we, we curse at them or whatever our patterning is, um, you know, not feeling like, oh my gosh, like I, I ruined everything. Um, you know, I need to go back and do five MEO again because I'm unenlightened and whatever. And so, you know, it, it's, it's really important to understand the integration processes and the phases and have someone there to support you and stay committed to your process with it. Because if eventually when we do fall into our patterning, because it doesn't wipe it away, we have to work with it. It's knowing that it's not all for nothing. This is coming up right now to be worked with. And if we just have it come up and we're upset with it, then that puts us into a place where we feel like, you know, we're not worthy of healing or something. Or, But if we understand the integration process and we have support around it, when it does come up, we have support to work with it and get into it. So I would say somebody, know, um, like a sign to know that we are having a hard time integrating is feeling like things are becoming challenging. Like we are constantly in our patterning and we're feeling um, feelings of anxiety coming up around that. Mm -hmm. And do you see a, you know, a, a lot of recurring um, uh, 
people that don't have the proper support and they keep kind of chasing healing. There's kind of like a thing in the psychedelic space, like in the healing space in general, like, like you mentioned it earlier, like chasing the peak experiences, chasing more healing. And the more ceremonies I do, the more I'll, I'll be better. Um, and I've met people that have done 200 ceremonies and I asked them like, have you integrated? Like, nah, not really. Um, you know, they're just kind of piling on medicine on medicine. Um, can you speak to that? Like from a cultural perspective, like what does it speak to in terms of our society um, to constantly yeah. be chasing the peak experience because it feels very much like following the old paradigm of just like plowing through stuff or like like just adding more is better you know like reaching higher experiences is going to be better um yeah i'd love to hear your thoughts around that like from a cultural perspective yeah you know i think as human beings we're you know it's part of the ego to want to add to ourselves to make us better somehow and the ego is also really good at spiritual bypassing as well. So, you know, I can speak in terms of this medicine as this is the one that I'm familiar with. But, you know, this, this, this experience, it's so profound that the mind or the ego can wrap itself around it and create a story around it. And in that story, it perceives that experience as when we were healed or when we were enlightened or when we were better or worthy. And so suddenly when we step back into our, our everyday regular lives and we're further and further away from that experience and we're not integrating it, that connection gets cut again because we're not integrating it. We're not treating it with respect. We're not being responsible about the integration period. And we have a low again. So we had a high and then now we're down to a low. And in that low, we have this because the ego's created a story around it. The ego goes back to, oh, well, maybe I need to do more medicine again. And so we get stuck in this perpetual cycle of consistently going for highs and falling to lows and going for highs and falling for lows. And it's almost, it really, it's kind of like addiction. You know, when we're in an addiction, we fall into that low. Oh, we need to go and take another hit of whatever drug that was or experience. And um, this is why integration is so important. We can do medicine over and over and over and over again and be stuck at the same spot forever if we're not integrating the experience. And actually, we might not even be stuck at the same spot with this medicine. We actually might be building super egos and taking us way further on the other side of things. So I would say with this medicine more than anything, integration is so key. If you are not choosing to integrate, this is not the medicine for you. Beautifully said. Like, is that one of the challenges you have as a as a retreat facilitator? Is like people coming back again, and I'm sure it's not the same because you have such a good structure around prep and integration. But like, uh, in general, has this been one of the things that you, um, uh, not filter, but you know, kind of have a barrier around, or like how you like bring people in, like the intake process? Like, is that part of like your process to look like, hey, maybe you've done like too much medicine? Is that one of the things you look for? Yeah, yeah. Well, definitely in like the question of why are you coming to work with this medicine? If we see somebody has been peak chasing, then we really get to the bottom of why do, why do you really want to work with this medicine? And are you truly ready to take the time and space that it means to actually integrate this experience? And if the person is not, maybe this is not the right medicine for you at this time. And we will let people know that um, 
it might sound like a short experience, you know, 15 to 45 minutes with X factors on both sides. But even though it does sound short, it is a very serious and long process. And so really, I think it's important for facilitators in that first call to get that point across to people, because a lot of people do see it as just a short experience. It's going to be that magic pill. And um, yeah, let it, letting people know so that they can prepare for the commitment they're about to step into. Mm-hmm. Can you speak a little bit about um, other challenges that you have as a retreat, like, like, you know, from a medicine perspective, but also in terms of um, your intake process or the support or the education piece because of the five is such a powerful experience. Like what are things that you've had to figure out on the way to, to creating uh, Tandeva and, and what are you working on these days to improve the experience? Hmm. Trying to think of challenges that we've had. Can't think of any challenges right now. You know, we're we're constantly we're constantly working to improve the container. Always, there's always room for improvement, and just really tuning in and checking in with people's needs and what what they need in their own unique process. Um, I think. I think that's such a key in whether you're working in a retreat setting or not, um, whether you're working with mushrooms or 5-MeO, is consistently kind of checking back in in these, in, for, for us, we do one-on-one integration sessions on-site and then post, you know, checking in with people, what do you need? What do you need that you haven't gotten yet? How can we support you? What would make you feel more comfortable right now? Um, and then from there, that's really where you get to see that, you know, where more improvements can come in. What, what kind of improvements, like give us a few examples of improvements you've made recently to your container, like the experience itself, or maybe the intake or the, the preparation integration process. What are things that you've figured out you could improve for people? Mm, well, we've recently added in neurofeedback, uh, helping people to get into that state of centeredness, of presentness. Um, I would say because in this medicine experience, like we were talking about, that channel is blown wide open and integrative practices are so important in being able to strengthen and build that connection um, with that divine entity that's inside of ourselves and outside of ourselves. And all of us are gonna have different practices. So some of the practices that we do here is um, yoga, breathwork, meditation primarily, but we've recently added neurofeedback as well. So as people are in this very neuroplastic state, building that, strengthening that, learning how to keep that open. Um, the specific technology we use lets people know when their mind is starting to wander and lets people know when their mind is coming back. And so in between the container of doing medicine and preparation and integration, using these different practices to help teach people how to stay open and then um, bringing that back into their into their everyday regular life so they can keep these, these um, channels open. Beautiful. I'm curious about the neurofeedback. I've never tried it. I've heard about it. Um, but I'm, I'm curious for people out there that are, are facilitating or want to be facilitators or looking to like create a retreat or maybe running a retreat already, like what are resources for people to go to, to, uh, you know, deepen their knowledge, maybe connect with other people that are hosting or holding space with five, like what are the ways that people can um, create better containers for people? 
Mm, that's a really good question. So this is something that we're working on right now currently. Um, so if you do, if this is you, somebody's listening and would like to strengthen your tool sets, really understand how to hold a safe and effective container. Um, if you head to the five site, we do have different training programs that are out. We have two. Um, they start in January and we'll be running them annually. Um, one is a three-month facilitator refinement training. So this is people who are already serving this medicine but would like to strengthen their tool sets. And then we also have a year-long one for people who have a deep relationship with this medicine already but are stepping into a role of facilitation. And, you know, we really brought in so many amazing guest teachers and speakers. We have over 30 guest teachers and, you know, these are people who are experts in their fields, whether it be, um, you know, psychology, trauma, first aid, um, all, all of the important facets. So, you know, and then on top of that, we also have on-site as well. So the year-long training is a year of, of coursework and videos and live classes. But then we have three weeks here on-site at the retreat center, really getting hands-on experience and getting comfortable and confident with being a, being a retreat leader. So, you know, that's kind of one resource. And then the other side of things I would say is community, 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 mentors, teachers, guides, continuously learning um so finding a community of other facilitators who are also on the same path and learning from another you have a question drop the question and see all the different responses and really start to build from there of you know the right and the wrong ways to hold space for people that's such a key like having teachers and mentors and peers really to like like bounce things off or learn something or check in on ourselves um yeah, that's really important. Um, and how would you say like someone, it's probably different for a lot of people, but how can someone know that they're ready? Like I, we have a, um, a therapist friend who said that for him personally, what he believes is like you need to have done at least five years of like deep personal work on your journey before you start serving any medicine. Um, mm-hmm. What's your like perspective on that? Um, kind of like it's a vague kind of, you know, requirement, but what do you, what do you think about that as a general rule? Yeah, we need to do our own work first. That is a key. And the only person who's going to know that you've done your own work is yourself. So you need to be, we need to be really honest with ourselves. We really need to take sincere looks within. If we're feeling called to work with any medicine, being with ourselves and asking, do I want to work with the medicine because this is coming from my ego and it's something that I, I really, I really do love and I think it'd be cool to do, or am I truly ready? Is my heart telling me I'm truly ready? How much work have I done? Do I feel that I'm in a position where I've been through enough with this particular medicine and understand it on a deep enough level to hold space for others as they're going through their own processes and their own phases with this medicine? So I think yeah, I think really, really taking a sincere look within ourselves is uh, is a key here. And it's been really interesting, actually, getting in applications for this training program. We've had we've had all sorts of people apply um, from, you know, clinicians to the other side of things. And it's been really interesting to see how many people are applying who have never sat with the medicine before. And from that, you know, I'd say, OK, let's let's take a hard look. Why do we want to work with this? And uh, if we're really wanting to be serious about it, let's really take some time to build a deep relationship with it before we attempt to serve the world's most powerful medicine to other human beings that are going through very serious processes. Mm-hmm. 
and you you speak to the training of the facilitators and you speak to um with your work the education of the 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 community around this like what is your vision of the future for five like where do you see uh, its role in society in the next five to 20 years and what does it look like in terms of of structure in terms of delivery in terms of training in terms of um, accountability systems uh, i'd love to hear like kind of the ideal vision of the future there mm, i love this question this is fairly beautiful you know I would imagine in that time frame that we have fully transitioned out of this teething process where we're hearing people of, you know, physical harm, emotional harm, death, and that happening because of solid trainings like the one that we're offering and a strong sense of community. So I would imagine, you know, by this time frame that there's going to be a really strong community of Five Amio, a lot of people that are coming also not just from from you know the spiritual exploration side but from the clinical side who understand both sides and we're really able to build a strong foundation of merging the east and the west together while offering this service to people um so i would love to see more facilitators in the world um i would like to see these facilitators thoroughly trained really really taking their their facilitation seriously continuing to be students and supporting one another i really kind of have this um this vision if you can see a globe and you see facilitators all around the globe that are creating ripples by sharing this beautiful sacrament that all those ripples are going to meet and intersect with one another and it's going to cause huge change um but in order to do that we really need to yeah take the bull by the horns and you know, train train facilitators um, in the right way, in the effective way. Mm-hmm. What what are some? That's beautiful. Um, and I I see psychedelics in general um, having a huge role in the future. And it's not that it's a silver bullet for everything, but it's definitely mm-hmm. an inspiration to a new paradigm of living that um, you know all of us have a role to play in in, in sharing and. And, and and being in the world, really, I think it really starts with being um, and doing our own work with prep and integration. I think that's where mm. it, it all kind of um, lands for me. Um, yeah. What are, um, yeah, um, what are things that you're up to in the world these days? I, we're going to put some links to, uh, you know, what you're up to, like in the, in the show notes, but what are things that are present in your mind these days? Yeah. Um, you know, what, what we're up to in the world right now is getting this training program ready, getting this training program ready and up. We're starting in January. We've got an amazing list of applicants, which I'm super, super excited about. It's been really beautiful to see how many, how many clinicians are, um, curious of stepping into working with this medicine and you know also also other people but just yeah getting this training together and ready so that you know more people can experience the healing potential of this medicine and experience it in a way that they know they're stepping into a very safe container they have no worries um, and that it's going to be effective as well that they're not just going to be stepping into a container where it's going to be that peak experience but instead they're going to receive long-lasting change in their lives so you know Right now, all of my focus, other than, you know, doing the retreats here on site is creating this training program with my partner, Joelle Briere, and really doing everything we can to bring in not just our own knowledge and wisdom, but knowledge and wisdom from all of these guest teachers and speakers from around the world to give students a very 
broad understanding of many different perspectives so that we can bring all these perspectives together into one kind of solid path uh, of facilitation for people. And um, yeah, that, that's what I'm up to. That's what I'm up to right now. <laughs> and- Beautiful. I love this idea of like bringing people together because that's really what um, you know, replicates the systems in nature, which is all about diversity and having various perspectives of, of different inputs and outputs to create something that's beautiful and holistic. And um, what are some people that you're most excited about having as part of your, your training mm, and why? Like, like facility, um, some like teachers or yeah, teachers or people that are like teachers? adding something beautiful in the space. Yeah. Oh my gosh, there's so many of them. Um, ben Malcolm, the spirit pharmacist, he's doing an amazing, amazing course on pharmacology with five amino DMT. It's super juicy. Uh, I've actually watched the video a few times and I get something out of it every single time. Um, Bianca Seben, she's an incredible psychologist. She's going to be teaching on the kind of layers of trauma and, you know, how to identify um, trauma. People come in, to, come in to work with this medicine and that what kind of trauma can come up, how to hold space for it. Um, yeah, there's there's so many. Rak Razam, um, I'm sure you've probably heard of him. He's a, a legend in the 5-MeO-DMT space. He's going to be teaching a class on the, the history of 5-MeO-DMT. And he's just such an incredible storyteller to understand all the the minutiae of the history it's gonna it's gonna be really juicy so yeah we are really bringing in so many different voices and I'm really excited for students you know I can speak for myself you know one of the reasons that we're putting this training program together is that these these trainings that people are having which are you know like we talked about earlier in a few days to a few weeks they're really not giving people the the right tools. And for myself, I had to go through three separate trainings before I even felt confident to hold the pipe or even felt like it was an integrity to serve somebody. And so I'm just really excited to be able to offer a training to facilitators that I wish I had. Beautiful. And it's so very much needed. And thank you so much for putting that together. That's going to make like lots of ripples in the world. So really grateful for that. Um, Looking forward to sharing it with the world as well. Um, Would you like to share something for the viewers out there, like something you'd like to share um, as a closing thought for our conversation? Mm. So I'm sure there's a lot of people who are listening to this who are curious about working with 5-Amino DMT. And I would say, if you are curious about working with this medicine, please, yes, head over to head over to the five website, listen to your heart compass. You know, if there's any questions that are kind of outlying that you're not feeling you you've had the um, you've been able to find on the site, please reach out to me. I'm always open to questions and I love to support anybody who is interested in working with this molecule. So I'm here always. Beautiful. Uh, thank you so much for, for being here. Um, and it was a beautiful conversation. I look forward to another one in the future. Me too. Thanks so much for thank having you. me, Pascal. Take care. Bye-bye. Ciao.